0: I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Good morning and welcome again to our worship service. We're very grateful for your presence. We're thankful to have visitors with us. As was mentioned a moment ago, we have a number of our own members away for the holiday weekend. We trust and pray that they will have a safe journey and hope to see them back here very, very soon. We're very grateful for the beauty of today, the opportunity to come together to worship God in spirit and in truth. And We're going to be thinking in just a moment about John chapter 14 at verse 6, the theme of our study today, Jesus is the only way. It's somewhat difficult for people to conceive of this fact, that Jesus is the only way. He is not just a way, He is not one of many ways, but rather He is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Today we want to think for just a moment about this great verse of Scripture that Jesus is the only way. The first thing I would call your attention to is the fact that Jesus is the only way to salvation. I would submit unto you that when we talk about Jesus as being the only way to salvation, that he is the exclusive way to salvation. There is, as Luke said in the long ago, No other way unto salvation but by Jesus Christ. There are some things that I would call your attention to. First of all, when we talk about this exclusive way to salvation, we're talking about an exclusive person. What other person do you know that has ever had the opportunity to grace planet Earth? What other person do you know compares? To Jesus Christ there is no other person he is unique in every sense of the word in John chapter 3 verse 16 Jesus himself said for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and the emphasis one of the things that we might emphasize in this verse is the fact that Jesus is the only one of His kind. There is no other person like Jesus Christ. He is the exclusive person of our salvation. When the angel of God appeared to Joseph in a dream, as recorded by Matthew in chapter 1, he said that that which had been conceived in Mary was of the Holy Spirit. And he said, She shall bring forth a son, And shall call his name Jesus, for it is he that shall save his people from their sins. Now Jesus said, I am the way. That is, when we talk about sin and the remedy for sin, there is no other remedy, there is no other person like Jesus. He is the only one who can save. He is the exclusive person of salvation. That's why Luke said in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No one can be saved outside of Jesus Christ. He is that exclusive person of salvation. Think about what Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. Many, many years ago, the apostle Paul said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Jesus is the exclusive person of salvation. He is, as Isaiah said in the long ago, Emmanuel, which is being translated, God with us. God in the flesh, who came, lived among men, and died for our sins. There is a second thing I would point out. Not only is He the exclusive person of our salvation... But there is an exclusive plan. There's just one plan to be saved, and that is the plan of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you were to pick up the New Testament and begin to read throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the way down to the book of Revelation, you'll find that there is a divine pattern or plan whereby we must be saved. Many, many years ago, the question was raised by a jailer in Philippi, what must I do to be saved? Well, there's just one exclusive way to be saved. Now, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2, verse 10, that salvation is in Christ Jesus. There is only one way to get into Christ Jesus, and that is we must be baptized into Christ Jesus. Now, our baptism is preceded by faith in Christ. You have to believe that Jesus is who he claims to be. The Lord himself said in John 8, verse 28, in in John chapter 8, verse 24, except you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. Not only do you have to believe that Jesus is the divine son of God, you have to be willing to repent. On Pentecost Day, when Peter preached to a multitude of people assembled in the city of Jerusalem to observe the feast or Pentecost itself the Bible says that Peter said to those people assembled repent that is you have to change your life you have to give up sin and then a person has to be willing to confess that Jesus is the son of God just like the eunuch did in Acts chapter 8 when he acknowledged I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and then finally a person must be baptized or immersed in water. That is, they have to be buried in a watery grave of baptism, based on Colossians 2 at verse 12. When a person is buried with Christ in baptism, all of their sins are washed away, Acts 22, verse 16. They enjoy the blessings of pardon, that is, they enjoy the blessings and the benefits of the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ was shed. In His death, John 19, verse 34. And so the only way that you and I can appropriate the blood of Christ, we have to go where it was shed. And so that's why Paul said in Romans 6, verse 3, Know ye not that all we who are baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? We are baptized into Christ and thus enjoy all of the blessings and favors of Almighty God. So we talk about this exclusive person of salvation. And then there is this exclusive plan of salvation. There are not many plans to be saved, just one plan. And then also there is an exclusive place to be saved. When we talk about this exclusive place of the saved, we're really talking about the church. You see, the church and Christ are linked together. You can't separate the two because if you're in Christ you're in the church of Christ. If you're in the church of Christ, then you're in Christ himself. Now, I said a moment ago in 2 Timothy chapter 2, at verse 10, that salvation is in Christ Jesus. Did you know that when you are baptized into Christ, that you become a member of the body of Christ? In Acts 2, verse 38, when some, when some people assembled on Pentecost Day responded to heaven's invitation, the Bible says in verse 41, some 3,000 souls yielded obedience to the gospel of Christ. In verse 47, the Bible says, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Well, how were they added to the church? Well, they were added to the church by God Himself. What then was that step that took them from without to within the church? Baptism into Christ. How do I know that? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, Paul said, By one Spirit were you all baptized into one body. What is the body? He's the head of the body, the church. So when you're baptized into Christ, you are placed in what? In the church of Christ. Why do you need to be a member of the church of Christ? Because the Bible says in Ephesians 5, verse 23, that Christ is the Savior of the body. Well, again, what is the body? He is the head of the body, which is the church. He put all things in subjection under His feet made Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. So, in emphasizing this first point, Jesus is the only way to salvation. There's no other way. If you and I want to be saved, if our friends and neighbors in this world, in this community, if they want to be saved, they're going to have to be saved through Jesus Christ. You can't be saved through Muhammad. You can't be saved through Buddha. You can't be saved by any other person or any other thing. Only Jesus Christ. We talk about the exclusive person of salvation, the exclusive plan of salvation, and the exclusive place of salvation. That's the church. That's why people need to be members of the body of Christ. But then there is a second thing that we see. Not only is Jesus the only way to salvation, he is the only way to be sure. Listen again to what Jesus said. I am, the, I am the way and the truth. When we talk about truth, we're talking about the need for education. We have to be educated. As a matter of fact, the New Testament stresses the importance of learning the truth. It's imperative that you and I learn the truth of Almighty God. Think about Christianity. How is it that people become New Testament Christians? Well, the only way that people can become New Testament Christians is to hear, believe, and obey the truth. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now the Bible says in Romans 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen. We are instructed to walk by faith and not by sight. Second Corinthians 5 at verse 7. Well, how then does faith come about? It comes by hearing the gospel of Christ. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them. Christianity is a religion whereby people have to be taught. In John 6, verse 44, well, in verses 44 and 45, the Lord said, It is written in the prophets, They shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. How then do we come unto God? Well, we have to hear the gospel. And then we have to believe it and obey it. So the importance of learning the truth did you know that the bible says God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth you and I we can't we can't be saved unless we know the truth now Jesus said you shall know the truth the truth shall make you free John eight thirty two. can we know the truth absolutely when Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus He talked about how he had received revelation from Almighty God. He said he took that revelation and wrote it down in a few words. And then he went on to say, "...whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ." Here were people in the first century that had the opportunity to take what Paul had written by inspiration, read it, disseminate it, understand it, then disseminate it to others. They had the opportunity to hear, believe, and obey the truth and then to share it with other people. That is, in essence, the beauty of the Great Commission. Teaching others and then baptizing them into Christ Jesus. So this imperative of learning the truth. Now we talk about Jesus is the only way to be sure. Are you sure about your salvation? When we talk about being sure, What we want to do is emphasize what the Bible teaches. It's not what I say, it's not what somebody else says, but rather it's what the scriptures say. In Acts chapter 17, we read of Paul and Silas in the city of Thessalonica. In Thessalonica, some of the Jews instigated a riot. And so it made it imperative for Paul and Silas to flee the city. And so they traveled to the city of Berea. And there it was said of the Bereans that they searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. Now in Romans chapter 8, Paul said the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How does the Holy Spirit bear witness with my spirit? All Paul is saying is that you and I as individuals can take God's word. We can compare what this Bible says with what we have done. In terms of salvation. If we have done what has been revealed by the Holy Spirit. In this book. Then we can conclude whether or not we are a child of God. Did we do what God said to do. In terms of appropriating salvation. The salvation that's in Christ. Did we hear, believe, obey the gospel. Were we immersed in water. Are we a member of the church. That's why it's so imperative. To learn the truth. But not to just learn the truth but we are also instructed to live by the truth you see once you become a child of God you've got to live according to truth now in discussing this principle of Jesus is the only way to be sure he's the only way to be sure whether or not you are a child of God he is the only way to be sure whether or not you are living faithfully before him how can I know if my life is pleasing in the eyes of God? Here's what John said. Hereby we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. If you and I are keeping the commands of God, in other words, if we are honoring what the Lord has said in His Word, then we can rest assured that we are living by the truth. This book is, is really a pattern. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, he said, Hold fast the form or pattern of sound words, which you have heard of me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. So we can take this pattern, and we can make sure that our life is being lived in conformity to this pattern. If our lives, if our life measures up to this book, then guess what? We have all of the promises and all of the assurances That are contained therein. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. If we walk in the light. As he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of his son Jesus Christ. Cleanses us from all sin. As long as I'm striving to walk in the light. Walk in the precepts of New Testament Christianity. Then I have the assurance. That I have fellowship with God. What greater blessing. Could there be in life. To know that that our practices harmonize with our profession. Now, why do we keep the commands of God? Why do we live a life of obedience? Well, we do that because we love the Lord. You see, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, John 14, 15. John wrote, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous or burdensome. Then there is a third thing that we see in John 14, verse 6. Not only is Jesus the only way to salvation, not only is he the only way to be sure, but he is the only way to be satisfied. How many of us want to live an enjoyable life? In other words, we want to be happy in life, don't we? There are a lot of people in our world today, to just put it very bluntly, they're looking in all the wrong places and all the wrong things, true happiness and true contentment. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Do you want to live a life that is filled with satisfaction? Do you want to be satisfied in life? Do you want to live a life where your cup truly is overflowing? Well, the answer to that would be yes. I don't know of anybody that lives here on planet Earth, that says, you know, I just want to be miserable, I want to be unhappy, I want to be discontented. I don't know anybody like that. Most people, if they're in their right mind, want to be happy. And they want to live a satisfied life. Jesus can give you a life of satisfaction. How so? Let me just offer some reasons how Jesus can bring satisfaction to your life. Number one, Jesus can provide you with an abundant life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. If you choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are following the Lord Jesus Christ, then truly you can echo with the psalmist in Psalm 23 that your cup overflows. There are so many blessings and rich provisions available for every Christian. The Christian life is an abundant life. It is a life wherein we can count our blessings over and over. We can name them one by one. And truly, as the song goes, it will surprise us what the Lord has done. There's just no way that you and I can in any way gauge all of the blessings, the abundant blessings that God so richly bestows on us. James said, Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation, neither shadow of turning. The psalmist in the long ago said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with blessings or benefits. You want to live a life of satisfaction, then live a life of... For Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is an abundant life. It is a life filled with great blessings. A second thing. And really this is tied to the first. Not only is it an abundant life. But it is an affluent life. I do not know. Where you stand financially. Granted. All of us are probably on different planes. But in Christ Jesus. We're all on the same plane. When you become a child of God, you immediately become a wealthy person. I'm not talking about earthly wealth. I'm talking about spiritual wealth. When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians one verse three, he said, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ." In chapter two at verse seven. He talked about the exceeding riches of God's grace and kindness which He poured out on us through Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are rich. Read 3 John verses 1 and 2 sometime. Read about a man by the name of Gaius of whom John said his soul was prospering. Why? Because he was wealthy. He was rich. He enjoyed the blessings and favors of Almighty God. Just just look at the New Testament. If you're in Christ Jesus, you have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Every sin washed away. You now have fellowship with God. You are an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ, according to Paul in Romans chapter 8. You are said to be a child of the living God, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. You have the benefits and the privileges of prayer, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. You have the assurance of life eternal. John 14 1 through 3 talk about a prosperous life so we have an abundant life we have an affluent life I would also I would also suggest that we have an approved life now this is not in our in our outline but when when we talk about having an approved life here's what I mean God places on our life a stamp of approval to know that we are pleasing in the eyes of God. You remember when Jesus went up into the mountain and was transfigured before Peter, James, and John? The Bible says that God the Father spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. If you're living... The Christian life. Listen. God is placing His stamp of approval on you. The Bible says the Lord knows those who are His. God knows you. You're approved in His eyes. And thus you have the hope of life eternal. Which leads us to another point. And that is... We have an assured life. Think of how many people face death uncertain of what lies ahead. I think about people stepping out into eternity on a daily basis. Over the last two days, two prominent actors have stepped out into eternity. There are a lot of people in our world today that are stepping out into eternity and they are uncertain about what lies beyond the grave. Not us. Not only are we not living an uncertain life, but rather we can rest assured while we live here in the flesh that if we die today, we go home to be with God. Am I being arrogant and boasting if I simply say what the Bible says? If I simply affirm that when God says I have eternal life, I have it? When John wrote in 1 John 2, verse 25, he said, This is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. In 1 John 5, verse verse 13. In the long ago, John said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. God said you can know that you have eternal life. We live in hope of life eternal which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. God assures us of eternal life. If we have obeyed the gospel and we're living a faithful life in Christ Jesus, when we come to the end of life here on planet earth, we can rest assured we're going home to be with God in glory. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul spoke of death as being imminent. He knew that the hand of Caesar would, would come upon him very soon. He said, The time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being offered. I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me in that day. Talk about confidence and assurance When Paul wrote to the saints in Philippi, he said, For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To depart and be with Christ is far better. That is a life of assurance. And that's the kind of life that we have. And then also I would say that we, as God's people, when we make the decision to follow the Christ, we can live and altruistic life. That is, we can live a life of good works. It was said of Jesus in Acts 10, verse 38, that he went about doing good. Let me tell you what, when you engage in doing good in the Christian life, it makes you feel better, doesn't it? There are a lot of people in our world today that are self-serving. They're not concerned about anybody. They're not concerned about anything. It's all about them. Well, you see, as Christians... We are not only concerned with self, we're concerned with others. Paul said, let us as we have opportunity do good unto all men, especially them which are the household of faith. Let me illustrate it like this. Just take a minute out of your time this week. Pick up the telephone and call somebody who is sick or shut in. Or better yet, go by and visit them. Spend a little bit of your time visiting somebody who is unable to get out of the house. I will promise you this. When you leave, you'll feel better than the one you visited. Why? Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. You and I have the opportunity to give. We give of our time. We give of our talents. We give of our treasures. We have the opportunity to serve. That's what Christianity is all about. When you're living a life of service in Christ Jesus, engaging in those good works, it is a a satisfying feeling to know that you are laboring for the cause of Christ. Here's what the Hebrew writer said, that God is not unrighteous to forget our work and labor of love. The things that we do in the name of Christ will one day be rewarded. And so to know that it's a satisfying life. Let me close by asking this question. Is Jesus Christ the focal point of your life? He is the only way. There is no other way. Are you following Him today? If you're here today and you've not obeyed the gospel, why not put your faith and trust in Jesus? Believe that He is the Son of God. Be immersed in water for the remission of your sins, Acts 2.38. Enjoy the blessings and benefits of being a child of God. Maybe you're here today, you're unfaithful to His cause, why not come home? John said if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Could we pray with you and for you, knowing that God will abundantly pardon? Would you come as we stand and sing?